Hello, welcome to the New Stack Makers, a podcast where we talk about at scale application development, deployment, and management. Hello, and welcome to the latest edition of the New Stack Makers podcast. This week, we're going to talk about Kubernetes and data. When I was introduced to the world, Kubernetes showed off its ability to easily juggle stateless workloads. It was amazing that workloads could be moved around to where they're best run. These particular workloads, however, did not actually need to interact with some form of permanently stored data. Over time, however, the open source container orchestration engine offered hooks for working with databases and other sources of persistent data. Still is a question in the minds of many potential users of Kubernetes is how do they work with persistent data? So earlier this year, we were alerted to a new organization called the uh, Data on Kubernetes Community. And this is a a group that was formed, a kind of industry consortium, if you will, about the best ways of uh, working with uh, stateful data within Kubernetes. And today we have a a few of the the members of the group to talk to us a bit more about the group and as well as the problem or the challenge with running uh, stateful workloads on Kubernetes. First, we have Melissa Logan. She's a uh, principal at uh, Constantia.io. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And a director uh, and the director of data on, on Kubernetes community. We also have with us Patrick McFadden, uh, vice president of developer relations and chief evangelist for uh, Apache Cassandra over at Datastax. And finally, we have uh, Evan Powell, who is an advisor, investor, and board member of Maya Data. Welcome all. Thank you. Thanks, Joe. So uh, let's jump right into it. We were uh, quite surprised and quite pleased when we first heard about the uh, data on uh, Kubernetes uh, community. How did it come about? Uh, well, I can jump in there. Um, so the the community had had been formed about a year ago and was originally stewarded by the folks at Maya Data. And the goal was always to bring people together to figure out how to run stable workloads on Kubernetes. It, it, it has been a challenge. And as you said, Job, it, of course, Kubernetes was not originally intended to run stateful workloads, but then we started to see persistent volumes come out, stateful sets, uh, the operator pattern came out and people started thinking, oh, I can I can do this now. Uh, so the early people saw some success, but there's still a lot of challenges with it. And so the community was formed to bring people together. And we just held our second Data on Kubernetes Day recently at KubeCon, and we had over 3,500 people join. And we really are seeing a huge interest in this in this uh, community. Terrific, terrific. Now, uh, Evan, I, I know uh, data has been uh, in the... Uh, Kubernetes community for a long while. I remember we have where we had a few talks uh, three, four years ago. I can't remember now, but uh, yeah. uh, could you talk about uh, perhaps uh, what my data offers in this space and what were the challenges that you were seeing that kind of inspired you guys to uh, uh, look for a, a broader industry consortium? Uh, sure, and, and and thanks for doing this again. So in part by something that. Uh, we actually saw from a big uh, a user of OpenEBS, which is an OpenEBS uh, Amaya data project that we started mm-hmm. years ago, um, and was reflected in an interview that you did, in fact, with with them, which is uh, Stephen Bauer, if you remember him from uh, mm-hmm. Bloomberg. And what Stephen was saying is essentially they had many Kubernetes, if that's a word, uh, <laughs> operating uh 
methods of operating all sorts of stateful workloads. And they were going to go to Kubernetes and were in the process of going to Kubernetes for standardization. And uh, that really sounded uh, like something that would resonate with a lot of other users out there. Um, But standardization, standardizing on what? What are those patterns? What what, what are the best patterns, operators, et cetera? Uh, So that's where, as Melissa was saying, the data and Kubernetes community came from and why we helped start it up um, a couple of years ago, uh, a year, year, over a year ago, I should say. Uh, What we bring to the table with OpenEBS is a CNCF project that is widely used for some of those workloads that Stephen and others are running on Kubernetes these days, which often are workloads that are databases, Elastic or logging, et cetera, Kafka, Pulsar, that are already resilient and want mm-hmm. to run on Kubernetes. So how do you do that from the storage and and, and really local node management perspective? That's what OpenEBS specifically brings to the table. And then my data, of course, wraps around that to be able to serve these kinds of customers. But uh, the community really has taken off and it's totally independent, right? And uh, Melissa and Patrick can, can speak to, to that. And it's become this space that really people are talking about, okay, we've all agreed this is the standard, but now how are we going to actually run it, right? And, and what are the good, the good things, the bad things, uh, et cetera, out of using Kubernetes to run these really important workloads? Perfect, perfect. Well, let's uh, uh, take a step back real quick. Uh, for those in the, uh, in the storage industry, uh, otherwise un, un really, not really familiar with Kubernetes, what is the challenge of, uh, 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 well, first of all, what is stateful data? Are we just talking about databases? And secondly, um, what is the, cha- the additional challenge that comes with Kubernetes? I, I, I summarize it sometimes in, my, in the articles I write, but I don't really know if I'm getting it correct. Maybe, you know, let's, let's start from the beginning. What are the challenges there? Just quickly, I'll, I'll take a shot and others can weigh in. I mean, one is it's these workloads that themselves are quote unquote cloud native or loosely coupled, right? They my workload in team A does not should not be dependent on your workload in team B or another workload in team C. So the whole paradigm of shared storage where you have N workloads all being dropped into the same bucket of data, which is what Mm -hmm. traditional shared storage does, doesn't really fit in the new world of cloud native data. Uh, to answer your question about what these data sources are, uh, you know, name your NoSQL or NewSQL, uh, right? Uh, database, uh, all of the logging, um, et cetera. Uh, it, you know, your ML uh, pipelines are on there. Um, it's 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 really uh, become quite broad uh, in terms of the amount and types of data sources, but uh, cloud native databases, and that may be a good segue to. To Patrick, who can speak uh, a lot more about that layer, which is really the critical layer, the, the database and data source layer uh, in this transition. Please do, please do. Yeah. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna add on stateful, stateful, um, stateful data or stateful uh, anything. You know, state. The reason stateful sets exist are because we're sick and tired of recreating data. Uh, um, you know, there's this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you remember back when um, when cloud computing was first starting. 
Uh, there were so many horror stories about ephemeral storage. Someone would fire up a, an EC2 instance and do some work and then shut it down. And then they're like, oh, I forgot to save my data. <laughs> well, it's gone now. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that was there was some moments where we all learned that, oh, maybe we should externalize our storage. And, um, I, you know, those lessons are hard won and we just keep learning them. <laughs> the And, you know, as, as Kubernetes was becoming a stateless workload powerhouse, um, same problem. And, and it's not just database data. It's just, it's sometimes it's, it's like your, in your cat photos on your WordPress site, things like that, <clears throat> like stuff you want to keep, but that's a harder problem. Like, um, Evan really characterized it well, which is, um, it's not just this big pool of shared storage. It's, it's this knowledge that this is going to have to be isolated. It's going to have to be specific for this application and regenerable. So whenever I say, um, I want to bring back this thing. Like I want to reconnect my, the thing that I had before I need to be able to declaratively say that. So there's a lot to do with that. And so in the world of data and databases, um, it's been, um, kind of a cornerstone of what databases are good at is collecting data and, 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 um, storing it in a way that is safe and, then also having a way that you can query the data. And, you know, that's been a real challenge with Kubernetes for a long time because that just wasn't an option. So, but it, I think what we've seen, and this is certainly the case, is that there was a, a large group of uh, Kubernetes people that said, you know, stateful data never belongs in Kubernetes. But just like everything else, the infrastructure teams were saying, hold my beer and doing it anyway. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I'm very curious about the meetups. Um, uh, you guys were, were formed not that long ago, but you already have had a surprising number of meetups, and um, I guess that shows the, the the vast interest in this particular topic. Uh, Lisa, how could you talk a bit about the meetups and uh, uh, what what has been going on, and what uh, what perhaps our listeners could do if they wanted to uh, join one themselves or even start one. Yeah, absolutely. So the group said the community had been has been around for about a year and we've had over 100 meetups in the past year. We hold them weekly. So huh. the idea is let's get people who are doing data on Kubernetes well or who have something to share, both at high level, you know, practitioner how-to tutorial, um, as well as some, hey, here's how we think the future could be uh, with data on Kubernetes. So we, we host uh, a couple of meetups every week, sometimes more and uh, bring all those people on to, um, to help share that knowledge. And, and anyone can join, just go to dok.community and you can see the schedule there. We just hosted, as mentioned, the um, second DOK day at KubeCon North America last week. And uh, we had over 20 speakers join us there and we're planning on doing, uh, bringing some of those people back over the next few months to, to share more about what they are doing with uh, data on Kubernetes. And one of them I wanted to mention, you know, in addition to what Patrick and Evan were talking about earlier, we had DreamWorks Animation, a panel with DreamWorks Animation at the event, and they're running about almost 400 databases, over 1,200 pods. And it's, it's pretty outstanding. And prior to Kubernetes, they were trying to do this with Linux containers and then Docker, uh, but they had so many challenges around provisioning and automation. And so when Kubernetes came around, they were really excited to be able to move there and figure this out. And the it, it helped them to really scale to support a large number of database clusters without needing to also have this explosion in headcount to manage them. So I think for them, that was a, a really core benefit 
And then additionally, they were, we've talked a bit about why, why, you know, people are tuning, turning to Kubernetes. It was great to be able to standardize into your state list, but of course, stateful workloads make up a big percentage of most people's workloads. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, they want to be able to, to do both. And, and now you can, and people are starting to do this. And one of the key benefits he mentioned that he said was a bit overlooked was being able to consolidate these technologies within DreamWorks. Kubernetes was already being used by the platform services org. And then his data services team adopted it for Stateful. And now they, they're they able to share ideas and collaborate and build new features in because they're working on this common set of core technologies. So advances that one team makes benefits the other. So they're really seeing you know, not just productivity, not just automation, not just some of these initial benefits, but some more benefits that allow them to innovate and, and you know, share those benefits across their team. Um, but it still is challenging, I think. As, as some people have mentioned, we, we just ran a survey with DOK uh, that we announced a couple weeks ago, and you can download it on the website. It's the, the key challenge that people have with um, running data in Kubernetes is a lack of integration with their existing tools and a lack of interoperability. So those things, it's, we're seeing now some problems arise because people want to do more with data on Kubernetes. Nice, nice. Um, yeah, I, I def- let's definitely delve into that report. There's a lot of good stuff. Before, uh, though, uh, I have to say that was a really good uh, conference that you guys had. Will, will those talks be on YouTube or otherwise be available somehow in the future? They are, in fact, just on YouTube as of yesterday. So, nice. yeah, you can go check them out, please. Highly recommend it. Highly re- recommend it. Yeah, so uh, let's talk about this report. You guys had a lot of interesting findings there. Uh, how did this re- First, how did this report come out? This is a survey. It's so 500 people, 502, I believe. Uh, tell, tell us a bit about that. How's setting that up? Yeah, I think, and uh, so the, the intention was to really understand the data on Kubernetes landscape. So I think we all have thoughts. We've seen in CNCF survey last year, there was a stat in there about 55% of the folks in their survey, which I think was from Kubernetes users, you know, their mm-hmm. database of people, um, 55% were were using stateful storage, I think, on Kubernetes. And so we thought, well, we want to know more than that. How do we dig into that a little bit deeper and, and understand not just what are they doing, but how and what challenges they have, and also what do they want to see in the future? So we, we conducted this survey in September of this year, uh, it was over 500 people, as you mentioned, and it was a mix of both practitioner and management and, you know, C-suite level folks to really understand what does that landscape look like. And there were some, you know, one of the key stats that we, uh, that c- came out of that is that 90% believe that Kubernetes is ready for stateful and 70% are already running stateful hmm. workloads in Kubernetes. Um, and then, of course, you know, d- d- diving into some of the challenges that I mentioned earlier. Terrific, terrific. So one of the things that uh, of the report that I found very interesting was most uh, organizations are now using operators. And um, from my understanding, operators, uh, I guess, are a set of instructions for how to set up a database so it is discoverable by Kubernetes. Uh, I don't know if if anybody has a better definition than that one, but uh, uh, yeah, was, in general, I, I guess I'm throwing this out to Patrick and Evan. How are operators uh, being used by organizations to talk with data? And then, listen, perhaps you could talk about the standardization question as well. Yeah, I could probably jump in on that. Unless, Evan, you you probably have a better definition than I do. <laughs> uh, I would just say uh, 
there, there's a thread right well there's a few threads right now on the slack the dokc slack that is about operators and 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 and, and from the theory to the hey how do you test this stuff to the i'm just getting going right so huh. um, it's a very active area of conversation but, but patrick take it away yeah well i was going to say that it, this is actually where i first probably got the most uh, i got my blast into the Kubernetes and data running a database on Kubernetes is in the Cassandra project as we were trying to settle on a an on operator for the community that would make Cassandra much easier to run. But I think the, the best way I can characterize an operator is that it takes an existing piece of software and creates the translation layer between the control plane of Kubernetes and the mm-hmm. way that that piece of software wants to operate good example is like Cassandra has a very clear idea of how it wants to distribute its data and um, how it wants to coordinate. Kubernetes has its own idea. So there needs to be something that says, you know, when when Kubernetes says, please grow your cluster, um, it it just tells the operator that. And then the operator, like a robot, goes out and says, okay, Cassandra, we got got orders from the boss. We're going to have to expand. And here's how we're going to do it. And that's, I think that's, what's bringing a lot of, for lack of a better word, legacy software into Kubernetes. We, I think as a community, hope that that becomes something that we don't need eventually, which means that the databases yeah. and, and data products just work with Kubernetes without needing a translation. But as it sits right now, we have a lot of great software that needs to be running in Kubernetes. And um, it's, it, it is, uh, here's my, I think the, the good thing about operators are they're easy to create. Um, the bad thing about operators is they're really hard to perfect. And so there, oh. if you look at the proliferation of operators, when we were first looking at a community operator for Cassandra, there were, I think we counted over 20 different operators that were in the community, different GitHubs all around the world. Oh. All right. And yeah, it was, and it, it goes back to this need for standardization where uh, do we really need 20? No. Um, are there good ideas in 20? Probably. And um, we look at like, uh, you know, DreamWorks has been talking about this one operator to rule them all um, where, you know, they do all at all. So there, there's a lot of different conversations just in that with stateful data. And I'll add on to that as well. Earlier, Job, you were asking, you know, is it just databases we're talking about here? And and in our survey, it, it it's that plus other things, right? It's it's like uh, Patrick was just saying, it's AI, ML workloads, streaming messaging, object storage, backup archival, etc. So there's a number of ways these operators are being used um, to to help manage um, the state in Kubernetes and. Our survey also showed that the key challenge people have with operators, as Patrick and Evan have both alluded to, is there, it's number one was difficulty of maintaining interoperability with other operators. Huh. <laughs> so if you think about the number, most organizations don't just have one database, right? They have multiple right. databases. They have multiple different types of storage, you know, that kind of thing. So if you imagine they have one operator for each thing, they're now managing all of di- the different operators and as well as uh, the workloads. And, and I think that's creating challenges for these folks, as we saw. And in fact, what's happening is because of this challenge, 61% said they're developing their own operators internally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because we have too many operators, let's create right. one well. <laughs> So just adding to the pile here. So you can see I, some of the challenges. <laughs> I think there's an XKCD uh, cartoon out there somewhere that ca- talks about this. <laughs> and you might, you know, it was 
pointed out uh, actually on the on the DOKC channel, I was, I was looking at it, and, and somebody was talking about how do you actually maintain these? Because if you're not <laughs> if you're not careful, right over time, they actually create they can create what are called custom resources, but basically they can start to tax Kubernetes itself, right? So you need to you need to clean that up. And so how would you operate an operator? Well, with an operator, of course. So, so there are indeed operators for operators, right? So how are you going to upgrade your operators? Because this is now production infrastructure code. Um, so those sorts of patterns, when they work well, which we have seen at Maya Data and with Open EBS, you know, sort of exploding in usage. I mean, we have, um, as an example, a user DreamWorks, you know, just thousands and thousands of nodes, dozens of workloads. And it is working and uh, they're getting the benefits, you know, all of the benefits that you might think from Kubernetes, but now applied to running databases or other, they have like a whole lot of different things on their Pulsar, uh, as an example, Kafka. Uh, so small teams in control, data scientists in control, not having to worry about storage or other layers of the infrastructure. It is working, but it is a, it, there's a little bit of comp sci and real experienced SREs figuring out again, how to operate the operators that are operating their workloads. So it's it's, it's pretty operator. neat and complex, but it does work. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, and, and Melissa, you, this is, um, I think this is a great stat to throw out is, yeah, we're, t we're, we're talking about the, the, the furry edges here where it's like, okay, that doesn't sound so great. But the organizations that have gone into us, uh, that survey showed there is tangible benefit. Right. It's not just adopting shiny technology. Exactly. And that's a good point. You know, the, the key benefits of standardization are, it, it, number one was really um, that the ability to standardize and get productivity. So we looked at a cohort of people in our survey that were 75, had 75% or more of their workloads on Kubernetes. And those folks saw uh, two times or more productivity because of that. So oh. there, there's, mm. you know, in addition to some of the things <laughs> that other folks are mentioning anecdotally, right? I mean, productivity is one thing. Being able to do more with the staff you have is another benefit. There, there are quite a few th reasons people are doing this. And this is the, the productivity games are just, or gains are coming just from uh, the ability for Kubernetes to manage once you get them all up there, all, multiple workloads. Correct. That's what we're that's what we're hearing in our survey. It's the ability to standardize not just stateless, but also those stateful workloads, and they're seeing quite a, a good benefit for for productivity there. You know, nice. and, and I can throw in like just personal. This is personal anecdote. Um, you know, DataStacks, we we run Cassandra as a service. Um, we have a, our Astro service, which is running Cassandra on Kubernetes. We don't have a huge engineering team. And we run thousands and thousands of Cassandra clusters every day without fail. And it's because we use Kubernetes and have it figured out. Um, so, yes, it makes us very competitive. Nice, nice. So you, once you get it right, you can sit back and uh, worry about other things. Yeah, it's like a self-driving car. <laughs> Keep your hand on the wheel, though. <laughs> I had a question about operators, though. Is the, you know, I know uh, uh, Percona has been talking about this lately, and I think Maya Data, you guys had a, a discussion with with them at the at the uh, at the event. But is it is it is it 
when you say standardization, is there the possibility of coming up with one operator template for all databases? Or when you mean standardization, what are we standardizing here to make end users' lives well, easier? Well, I'll weigh in. I, I think you know databases uh, are, of course, extremely diverse, right, in the way yeah. that they want to behave and perform in, in their use cases, which is why there's, I suppose, so many of them. That said, there's a great talk. Again, I, I think it may have been given at SREcon by a uh, by an SRE and leader of uh, Red Hat's operator uh, project mm-hmm. um, that is available, uh, again, uh, via the DOKC, or you can go straight to SREcon. And what they're mm-hmm. talking about standardizing is, uh, you know, the how do you build these things? How do you test them? How do you treat them? Uh, and, and, and how do you, you know, annotate them? Understanding that, uh, you know, part of the other challenge, and actually Stephen Bauer back years ago now raised this as well in an interview with you from, from Bloomberg, mm-hmm. is staffing, right? Uh, there's only so many experts out there. So you want to you wanna write these things in a standard way so that the next person coming along isn't, you know, having to interpret your <laughs> spaghetti code, if you will, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. So there's some of that, but 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 then you have to embrace the fact that you know some databases are more about, uh, yeah, you know, they're right bound from a storage perspective. Uh, others you're using more for reads. Uh, you know, the block size. All of these behaviors differ massively. Um, but sort of the hygiene of writing them, managing them, and keeping them in good shape, I think, can be standardized. At least that's that's the argument that I hear. Nice, nice. And then does bring up a question of uh, uh, whose job does this fall under? Uh, yeah, I, historically, the storage administrators have always kind of kept their own uh, counsel on sort of things. They're, they're kind of off on their own. And to a certain extent, database administrators too. But when you have a uh, organization moving into Kubernetes, how much of this work, uh, you know, maintenance of the operators, how much does this fall on the database admins? How much does it fall on the storage admins? How much does it fall on uh, just uh, overall administrators themselves? Or the oh. developers even? Yeah, that, that's a good question because that one that I like to answer myself. <laughs> um, it's because I, I, I've been writing a lot about this over the past year, um, and coming from the background of being a DBA, if you look at the on LinkedIn, the, the the skill of DBA is still strong, but the job title is in rapid decline. It's year over year really? is negative, and yeah. and it's just because it's becoming we're becoming more generalized in our knowledge and less specialized. You know, it used to be when I ran infrastructure, we had a security team and a storage team and, you know, the the stack and rack team. And you don't do that anymore. It's more generalized. I think the thing that we're seeing is that the DBA role is becoming more generalized inside of DevOps. And I've been advocating DBAs to start, you know, making the move to being an SRE. I I think this is the future. Um, Interesting. They have the right skills, you know. They they understand. Uh, DBAs have learned the importance of infrastructure as a critical part of the business, and SREs do that. That they do, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The database goes down. They they hear that quickly. <laughs> yeah, at three a.m. usually, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Same thing happening at the storage layer. They're having to become SREs and, and understand those those patterns. I think, and and their expertise is being often either incorporated maybe as part of a platform team, right? Mm-hmm. Or as, and, or as part of an application team. So you may have somebody in an app 
team, which can be a two, you know, obviously a two pizza team, uh, small pizzas. I don't know, but anyway, <laughs> two pizza team. And there's somebody gets tagged with, and actually there's a great interview with Mike Tujeron from, uh, who's an SRE at Adobe, which uh-huh. you can find in the DOKC archives uh, somewhere, uh, talking about exactly that. Like, how did you become the storage person? Um, yes, it was a process, but I am the storage person. <laughs> so, uh, and you're seeing you're seeing that, which is similar to what Patrick just said. Nice, nice. All right, fantastic, fantastic. Well, you guys have done so much great work in just in the first year alone. Uh, but what are the next steps? Have you got the report out? You, you did the uh, the co event. What's what's next coming from the group? Well, I think one of the things that we saw in the survey was that you know, there people are doing this, but there are challenges. So we want to really dig into, well, what are those challenges? Understand that a little bit better. And we also asked about the future of DOK. What do people want to see? And what people said was that a majority, a majority said that they want to see more standards around data management. They want to see data become declarative, just like Kubernetes, you know, and there are some key factors driving this. Um, the, the move to uh, harnessing real-time data is increasing the demand for running data on Kubernetes. So there's a lot of factors here. Um, and uh, we just recently announced a new governance structure for the community and 20 new sponsors have joined us. And it's a really great time for folks to get involved, both from the practitioner level or at the sponsor level, if you're looking to be part of this conversation uh, in a more structured way. So the community is focused on um creating a new end-user working group. Um, We have uh, different folks that we've already spoken to that will be joining us. We're spinning that up um, now, now that we're back from KubeCon and caught Mm -hmm. up on our emails for the most part. Um, So, and what we want to understand is what are those challenges? Again, digging deeper into uh, what are people running into? How can we collectively solve this problem? So it's a good time to join us. And and even if you're just starting to learn, we have a lot of resources on the website and on our YouTube channel for folks who are are just getting into this too. All right, all right. Well, it's been a great conversation. Evan, Patrick, and Melissa, thank you so much for getting us up to speed on uh, this new initiative and uh, definitely keep us apprised of uh, major announcements coming forward. And uh, thank you listeners for tuning into another podcast and we'll catch you next time on the new Stack Makers. Thanks for listening. Subscribe on Simplecast to listen to more episodes on the new Stack Makers. Create and share your favorite audiogram using our Simplecast player. For more articles and great stories, go to the newstack.io.